Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, I'm really glad you've tuned in. I'm especially glad you've tuned in on today, the last day of our fall fundraiser. And I want to say thanks to everybody who has contributed to that uh, goal of $450,000 that we have. I want to end the fundraiser on this show with a special challenge to the folks who listen to Detroit Today. I understand that in the last hour, uh, they challenged listeners to come up with 50 gifts during that hour, the 8 to 9 o'clock hour. I think we can do better than that here on Detroit Today. I think we can get better than 50 gifts in the door before uh, we end the show at 10 o'clock. So, those of you who listen to this show, who appreciate the things that we do here, who count on this as part of your morning, if you're somebody who gives already, thank you. Uh, maybe it's time to renew that gift. But if you're somebody who's never participated in supporting WDET, now is the time. In the next hour, let's get more than 50 gifts in the door and show what kind of support we have from Detroit Today listeners. Okay, up first, we are going to have some fun today. Uh, unidentified flying objects, or UFOs, have been in the news an awful lot lately. And earlier this week, the U.S. Navy confirmed a series of videos of UFOs are indeed the real deal. And today, there's a UFO conference that's happening in Houghton Lake. All of that seems that uh, the stars are aligning for a conversation about UFOs. And here to do that are two experts and one enthusiast on the subject. Dave Lyons is the program coordinator of Detroit Storymakers here at WDET. He is our resident UFO enthusiast. Dave, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Uh, also with us is John Tenney. He's an archivist and researcher at Weird Lectures. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And also uh, with us is Don Lincoln, a senior scientist at Fermilab, which is America's preeminent particle physics laboratory. He's an author and a public speaker and wrote the book, Alien Universe, Extraterrestrial Life in Our Minds and in the Cosmos. Don, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so Dave, uh, we're going to start with you, uh, our resident UFO enthusiast, if not our resident UFO expert. I don't know why you're not being called an expert here, but uh, you've had some personal experiences with UFOs. Yes, yeah. So now, I got to say up front, I am the biggest skeptic you will ever meet about all of this stuff. So the challenge to you guys this hour is not 50 gifts through the door. It is to convince me that somehow there is something to this idea of UFOs. Dave, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not here to convince you of anything, actually, but I, I get what you're saying. And I guess I'll start off with with introducing myself as someone who um, looks at UFO sightings as real experiences, regardless of what the material object we may see is. The experiences that people have and the stories they tell, those are very real and they change the way that people behave and they change the way that we interact. So I'm starting off with that because okay. I'm not trying to say that aliens necessarily exist because I've seen UFOs, but I've definitely seen unidentified flying objects in the sky. And I'll tell you two very quick ones, mm -hmm. um, but to me, they're the most important because both of them involved other people with me seeing them. So right away- So you have, you have witnesses. I have witnesses. And one of them was a witness. Uh, I actually had one that was, I'll start with this one. Over 10 years ago, I was uh, in Livonia where I lived at the time, and I was hanging out looking 
outside, and then I just saw these orange lights, three of them. And they kind of start going up over the rooftops. You can see them above the tree line. So they're kind of floating up in this, seems like a vertical pattern, you know, just one after another. But then they don't keep going, you know. They kind of just settle into what you, I mean, it's three dots, so it makes a triangle eventually. Um, so there's this triangle of three dots, and I'm looking at them, and they're just not moving. So I call my friend over, and I'm like, you see this? And they're like, yeah, I see it. So we're sitting there looking at this, and it probably lasts about 15, 20 minutes. And they just kind of like, they rotated sort, sort of like in what you could call a rough formation. I don't know what that would be, but it's just three dots in a triangle. Mm-hmm. And they, they stayed up there for about 20 minutes. And I, I, we're awestruck, and I'm like, I should probably, I need to get a camera. I need to document this. I got to get a picture of this. Well, this is like, this is before I had a cell phone. <laughs> before everyone <laughs> had a bef- phone, this a is camera. Before I had a camera, you know, it just it just wasn't going to happen. So we looked at it as long as we could, and eventually they they just kind of like disappear, right? So kind of awestruck, and I thought it was really cool. So we go to um, the Looney Baker, which is a 24-hour coffee and donut shop in Livonia, and so we're sitting there, really excited about what we just saw. And I'm talking to my friend about it, another one who met up with us, and telling him the story. This other guy behind me at the table right behind me goes, wait, you saw that too? And he brings me his flip phone, which he actually he had a flip phone, and he had a picture of this on the flip phone of exactly what we saw. So he got, he got documentation. That's right, yeah. But, I mean, it's taking a picture of anything in the sky is really difficult to see what it is. <laughs> but So that was, that was like the first one that was that really kind of like – stands out because other people saw it along with me so at least i know it wasn't hallucinating what the origin of that is i don't know but that was one thing um i'll tell you another really quick one Mm -hmm. because there was other people involved again um so it's out in jenison michigan which is near grand rapids in the country um it was new year's eve so i'm arriving at a new year's eve party where a bunch of other people are at so we know there's going to be witnesses um and I, i just pull up and i'm talking to somebody on the front front lawn it's really cold out there's snow on the ground and mostly just surrounded by cornfields as far as you can see really um so i was actually telling them probably the story that i just told you no joke and they said well why do you even believe in ufos and stuff i'm like look i don't know what they mean but i know that after seeing them it changes the way that i look at things it makes me more open to my curiosities Mm -hmm. it makes me more open to what might be out there whether i can prove it or not and most importantly nowadays i think I'm more okay with not knowing, and that allows me to kind of like look at this in a much more reasonable way rather than trying to have proof right yeah. away of something I'll never prove. Dave, I actually got to give you a lot of credit for that. I think, I think that's a really interesting and wonderful argument for the idea of UFOs, this, this idea of the, the, the way they might make us think differently about other things uh, in, in our world and, and how we might keep our minds more open. Uh, for possibilities, that's uh, that's not something that I've I've thought of before. So, uh, well, thank you. Thanks for coming in the studio. I think you have met the met the challenge this morning. <laughs> You're convinced then, huh? <laughs> I'm convinced of your argument. <laughs> I'm not convinced right. you saw yeah. uh, a UFO, but uh, well, I'm convinced you saw a UFO in the sense that it was unidentified. Mm, but, uh, I'm not a researcher, so I can't, yeah. and I'm not an expert in seeing what's in the sky. So. I could see anything and Who knows be like, I don't know what this right. is. Yeah. So yeah. I'll sum up the really, really quickly that last one because I know that we have people to get to and more talks to have. But basically, there's this really bright fuchsia light, one big light that was coming up from across the distance. This happened right the moment after I said, I believe in UFOs because of what I just told you. So then this light just 
appears right then and just starts coming straight at us, basically, straight over top of us. And it gets bigger as it gets closer because it's coming right coming right over us. It gets bigger as it's closer. And you can almost hear like a whirring sound, like just the tiniest, like little faint thing that you can notice. And then it goes all the way to the other horizon, which is like the rest of the cornfield. And two or three people that I was talking with saw that too. And we we're all like, wow, what, what was that? That's amazing. Yeah. There was people walking up at the time who were pulling up to the party. And I was like, hey, there's a UFO right there. Check it out. This is your time to like test if, if they're real in your mind or not. And they <laughs> wouldn't even look. You know, that to me, to me, they represent like that skeptic who won't even be open enough to being like, is my curiosity there enough to really put to the test what I'm so right. sure is impossible? Right. Because it's just a glance. Yeah. It only takes the glance. Yeah. All so right. Dave Lyons, I, I am really glad you, you joined us for, for this I'm glad, too. And, discussion. you know, this is me coming out publicly as someone who's seen UFOs, too. So <laughs> thank you, listeners, right. for giving me a little bit of grace here. <laughs> we'll see how harshly you are judged <laughs> by our listeners. I also do believe people. in science and things like that, yeah. just so you guys That's know. important. That's important. All right. John Tenney, you're an archivist and researcher at Weird Lectures. Uh, tell us what that is. Uh, so weird lectures, I've spent the past 30 years investigating claims of the paranormal, the supernatural, anything that's ufological, anything strange and weird. That's what I've spent the past 30 years talking to contactees, abductees, military personnel, uh, no matter what their strange experience, trying to find something that we might be able to use as a hint of proof. But the reality is Dave's a great example of how a strange experience can change someone and how most experiencers or most people that have had a strange experience, the experience itself doesn't need to be qualified and quantified. It's almost like a spiritual experience or an awakening. It's an archetypal uh, happening that changes the person's fundamental reality and how they look at reality. And I think that's the important part of the experience itself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you say that you know the universe is a pretty big and strange place and uh, you believe there are things in the sky but you say that there's a problem with the way the media treats all of this absolutely the media of course uh just recently with the case of the navy uh most of the headlines that your uh, listeners probably have read navy admits to ufos uh navy says ufos are real mm -hmm. like those hype those headlines aren't very helpful to a researcher <laughs> like me that what the navy said is uh, we have video of unidentified aerial phenomena, and we want to start calling it UAPs instead of UFOs because of the stigma attached to UFOs, and we want Navy uh, pilots to feel comfortable talking about it. When they see something. When right? they see something, because that's needed for our defense. If you see something strange, they should be able to say it. But because the word UFO was attached to it, that's not, they don't feel comfortable saying that. Mm-hmm. So the Navy has changed uh, their kind of classification on identified aerial phenomena, but that does not mean aliens and flying saucers. <laughs> right. It just means unidentified objects. Right. And, yeah. and they even point out the fact that, you know, in the past 10 or 12 years, because of things like drone technology, there might be objects out there that they don't understand that someone has, maybe as a foreign nation or a foreign country, has a technology that we might not know that they have. And so these things are very important for people to report. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don Lincoln, uh, your book, Alien Universe, Extraterrestrial Life in Our Minds and in the Cosmos. Uh, tell us uh, what your perspective is on this whole idea of UFOs and whether 
we are alone in the universe or even alone here on the planet Earth? Well, first, I'd like to say that you claim to be the biggest skeptic on the planet, and I, I think I accept your challenge. Okay. But, um, but with that said, I think it's really very, very important that people appreciate that the word UFO means different things to different people. Some people hear UFO and immediately think flying saucer. Other people hear UFO and mean what it literally means, which is an unidentified object that's flying in the sky. And I think that, I mean, it's quite clear that the an unidentified object that cannot be identified um, does occur. Now, while there are definitely people who um, who are, you know, shysters and charlatans and make things up, there are well-intentioned people um, who do see things that they can't explain. And on that, I'm, I'm quite confident that, that this is true. I mean, there's just too many people who report that. Now, getting to the, the question that excites people, the idea of extraterrestrial life and whether or not we're being visited, um, that's not something that, that the data is very good on. We know enough about um, physics and chemistry to, to think it likely that um, life does exist on other planets. I think this is highly likely. Whether or not that life is then complicated and complex enough to, to make a craft that'll travel through interstellar space, and then the second step that they're actually coming here, that's far more problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it, the, the, as a scientist, um, I'm often, uh, people who are, who are UFO enthusiasts will often react badly to a scientist thinking that we're just dismissing them. And that's, I, I think, an unfair thing. Scientists, uh, in certain fields, my own especially, we're in the business of discovering new things, blazing frontiers of knowledge, trying to understand stuff that that nobody knows. Mm -hmm. Nobody would be more fascinated than I if we were able to demonstrate that these unidentified lights in the sky were extraterrestrial craft. That would be amazing. The problem is, is the standard to say that has to be high. Um, you know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, right. and a light in the sky, <laughs> while fascinating, it's a it's a big jump from there to ET. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear kind of a scientific take on this. I mean, you're somebody who uh, works at the preeminent particle physics laboratory in this country and has participated in some of these key discoveries, and and in some ways, uh, the work that you do is analogous to this idea of uh, UFOs, this idea that uh, maybe you are discovering something that uh, we didn't know about before, we didn't understand uh, before, and you're saying, look, uh, maybe there's a reason to at least be open to it. Yeah, I mean, discovery is you know what scientists want to do, but right. we are very disciplined. The a, a light in the sky it can be many things. It could be, you know, a searchlight on a cloud. It could be a satellite going overhead. It could be a plane. It could be any number of things. And that's it's important data. You should take it in. You should understand it to the best of your knowledge. But the criteria of of changing from the light to to saying that we are being visited by by creatures from another world, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, we're going to take some, some convincing. Right, right. Uh, John Tenney, uh, in the 1960s, Michigan had the largest UFO sighting in history, something I did not know until 
this morning when I was prepping for the show. Tell us, tell us what this sighting was. So in 1966 in the Hillsdale-Dexter area, a group of people starting out around five or six different people saw a giant red light in the sky. And over the course of the next four or five days, that number of people who saw this light flying around uh, ended up being about two to 3,000 people uh, spread out over an area in diameter of about 400 miles. Uh, the object was chased by police officers, civil defense uh, people at the time saw it, uh, and the entire campus of Hillsdale College uh, ran out and saw it uh, near their football field. And it was so extreme, it was even to the point at the time our congressman, Gerald Ford, went on the House floor and called for investigations mm. into flying saucers. And that is, at the time, the United States government had Project Blue Book, which was the Air Force's UFO study group. And they sent out their scientist, who was Dr. J. Allen Hynek, to investigate what people had been seeing. And this is a kind of pivotal moment in UFO history because Hynek comes to Detroit and in front of the press, he says everyone has seen swamp gas. Wow. And at that moment, uh, I mean, so it rages, again, the na hyperbolic nature of news, <laughs> right? So now every newspaper headline that has been saying that there are UFOs in the sky now says everyone in Michigan has seen swamp gas. <laughs> and is convinced it's and an is convinced, terrestrial. Yeah. And the, what becomes problematic is that you see a direct correlation to people not reporting UFOs and things that they see in the sky right after that because uh, they don't want to be seen as kind of uh, a hillbilly or a rube. So the sightings drop off, but it still remains one of those key pivotal moments because you have the scientist from Blue Book then ends up breaking away from Blue Book and forming the Center for UFO Studies and actually becoming a believer in UFOs. Wow. Wow. So, so John, let me ask you point blank. Uh, do you believe in UFOs? Do you believe in extraterrestrial life? So, so this is why I'm kind of pariah in my field. <laughs> I don't believe anything. I think that believe, belief is concrete. It's kind of the enemy. Uh, I think that when you uh, say that you believe in something, there's a lot of faith in your belief. And that gets kind of wonky as well. Mm -hmm. Um I, I am skeptical as a researcher because I think that there's nothing wrong with being skeptical. Uh, the problem is when you become cynical. Uh, I do love evidence and data. I do love working with scientists and astronomers and physicists on trying to figure these questions out. The problem is, is there's not very many scientists that study this because a lot of scientists come from a very materialist background and they say we don't have the data. And the reason they don't have the data is because they don't, no one studies it. I mean, you can study things like exobiology and, and astronomy and, and how craft would move, but I think a lot of what we're experiencing, like I said earlier, has to do with the experiencer and not so much the experience. Hmm. Uh, Don Lincoln, you were talking about how unlikely it is that there might be life on another planet or in another star or around another star that would be complicated or complex enough to travel uh, from where they are to here. But I wonder if that equates for you to a belief that, uh, that we are alone. Um, well, I'd like to spend a moment explaining why I say that. Mm -hmm. Now, um, we only know of life on one place in the, in the universe, and that's here on Earth. But 
Um, and, and so that it's very hard to generalize from one data point. Mm-hmm. But we do know some things by just that one data point. For instance, life formed on Earth very shortly after the Earth was um, cool enough for water to form, for the, the, the rock, the sure. lava to turn into rock and water to form. And the fact that it took such a short amount of time for life to form here on Earth suggests, it doesn't prove, but it suggests that forming life is actually an easy thing to do if you have a an environment like we had on the early Earth. Mm-hmm. And we now know enough about astronomy that there are, we, we know the count of stars here just in our own Milky Way, which is uh, two to 400 billion. We know a lot about the planets. We're starting to actually see evidence for planets. It's pretty clear that in our Milky Way alone, there are lots of places that either are or were like our early Earth. And from that, this is why I say it's likely that life probably is is everywhere. I Mm -hmm. suspect this is very common. But here on Earth, now we look at how long it took for um, a complex being capable of leaving the planet to form. And that took an extremely long time. So this suggests to me that the evolution of life from non-complex life to something akin to us is difficult and rare. And mm-hmm. if there were a some sort of disease that killed off humanity today, um, it's unlikely that in a million years or two million years that we'd have super intelligent cats or something <laughs> taking over. So this is the rationale for which I think it is likely that intelligent life is rare. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not a by any means an airtight argument. Nobody should believe it. But I think it's reasonable on the face of it from what we see. And so that's why I think it is unlikely that um, that life, intelligent life, like like us, is common in, in our universe. So that, that's why I say that. And, and we're, we're going to run out of time in a few minutes, but I wonder if you believe um, that there are other signs that we would be able to pick up before uh, the idea that that somebody might come from another planet to here. In other words, are there other clues uh, in the work that you do or the work that astronomers do that would tell us more about the type of life that might exist in in the universe and and how complex or complicated it might be? Well, as uh, um, John said, I mean, there are uh, exobiologists, people who look into understanding the chemistry of life itself. Um, and in fact, in my book, I, I talk a little bit about that. There are things that we know can and cannot possibly be, um, you know, as, as uh, uh, scientific and chemical mechanisms for life. So we actually know a fair bit about that. Mm-hmm. Regarding things we would see, yeah, there's, of course, this search for extraterrestrial intelligence, this radio search, looking at nearby stars. And there's been no evidence at all of any kind of radio emissions by you know, by stars that we can look at. Now, this is just a small fraction of the galaxy, and and it may be that if intelligent life exists there at other times in their developmental pattern, I mean, if if Alpha Centauri, for instance, to just pick the most nearby star, had a planet around it with intelligent life, but it was circa 1600, we wouldn't see it. So, you know, I, I don't want to make too much of it. But when you look at thousands of stars and see nothing, um, that's another piece of evidence that um, lends to skepticism. But that's the sort of thing that you would expect to see. I suspect, and, and I think this is probably true, that the first evidence that we have 
for um, life outside our, our solar system will be through some sort of radio contact, not visitation. Not through uh, lights in the sky. Right. Uh, Dave Lyons, I'm going to give you the last word here. We've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, where do you stand now on the on the belief scale? Um, <clears throat> well, where I stand is really I'm I'm mostly fascinated by why so many people still see UFOs. To me, that is more of a practical question to ask. It's one that we can answer, and it's one that, as someone who works with stories and people who tell stories and listen to them, that's something that we can actually investigate in a way that might give us answers that mean something. So it's a powerful enough idea that people are going to Nevada right now today, thousands of people to have something called alien stock, which it seems like absolutely ridiculous. But I think it shows like the power of the idea and the, um, just the way that it matters to people. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like I'm still okay with not knowing I'm open to there being extraterrestrial life. Of course. I mean, we just heard about how this is something we've known, right? The universe is huge. You know, there's, there's a really good chance they're out there, but that they're close enough in time and space that we're going to cross paths. I don't really necessarily hold, hold out hope for that, but I mean, I know it's possible. Yeah. Okay. Dave Lyons, John Tenney, and Don Lincoln, uh, thanks for being here for this fun conversation on Detroit Today. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. All right. Up next, we're going to raise a little more money. And remember, this hour, the last Detroit Today of our fall fundraiser, we want to get 50 gifts in the door before 10 o'clock. If you're a listener who has given before, thank you, and let's renew that giving. If you have never given before, now is the time. Uh, Up next, we're going to have a conversation with a couple of WDET veteran staffers about how the station has changed over the years and how the mission here remains the same. Stay with us on Detroit Today.